S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. That podcast with Simi Rye back again. It is May 13th, May 12th, the week of May 13th, May 12th, with a special Mother's Day podcast. I have a special guest this week, um, entrepreneur, fellow uh, businesswoman, business pursuer, uh, going out to doing a lot of big things, and also, more importantly, my mom. How are you doing today, mom? I'm doing great. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing the podcast with me. You're welcome. I thought this would be really cool, because I've seen a lot of people do podcasts with their family. But also, you happen to be someone who has done a lot of different things in business. I don't know if a lot of people know that about you and all the things that you've been into over the years. So I thought this was really fun to kind of bring attention and talk to you about those things. Even people I think that know you may not really know all the things that you've done. But I do because I've been with you for my whole entire life. <laughs> so, like, let's, let's start off, I guess, at the beginning. Um, I was born, right? Not just joking. <laughs> Before me, back. yeah, before <laughs> me, right? So one thing, you know, people see Samurai, right? I get questions like, where does that come from, right? And the nickname comes from a friend that thought that'd be a cool nickname for me. Um, but you know, growing up as a child, one of the first things I remembered is having a lot of Asian, I think, iconography. Iconography? I can't say the word. I don't know why I tried. Uh, like having Asian statues and things in the house because you had an interest in martial arts before I was born, right? When you were in high school. Yeah. So how, how did that whole thing start for you? How did you get into martial arts and that whole thing? So I started going to school, and it was like a community center in North Camden, right? I'm from Brooklyn, but I started going to school. Um, I came here when I was five and um, started going to school under Sensei Lingo was one of our first, one of my first karate teachers. And um, I was dating this guy who was in the karate and he hooked me up and we started going, right? So I started um, going to tournaments and um, I never was in a tournament, but, you know, doing katas and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So I actually joined. So I I went from yellow belt. When I finished, I was maybe near senior year high school and I was a purple belt. Oh, wow. So I got really interested and I was um, the the martial arts that I studied under was Nisei Goju-ru. Okay. Um, USA Goju-ru is what, like, a lot of our families in. Like, that's what Ashley did, our, my daughter Ashley. Um, but I went under Nisei Goju-ru, and it was Sensei Lingo. And um, there was about maybe 15 of us, a couple of girls, a couple of guys. We did um, kind of like mis- mixed martial arts. A lot of katas, fighting um, with size and bow staffs and, and a lot of sparring. Yeah, so that's how I got into it. So, of course, in the house, you had, like, um, of course, we watched, we watched a lot of karate movies, but there was all kind of Chinese and Oriental artifacts, yeah. right? Because that's what I was into. That's what I grew up with, you know, always wearing my little kung fu sandals when I went to school. Yeah. Everybody wanted to fight you, you know, and... Um, that's how it all started. So that's what you guys were introduced to growing up. So with that, like, I mean, so the, to put a timestamp on that, right? What do you, around what years do you think this is that you're doing this? Probably my teenage years, 13, 14. Would this be like, like you know, like if you said like the 80s, is it the late 70s? Or what year is that I would say late 70s, like 77. Okay. Maybe, because um, I graduated high school in 82. Yeah. So I was still doing karate. So I probably, maybe like six years, five years of doing martial arts 
you know, uh, under an instructor. Yeah. Yeah. So like nowadays, people talk a lot about mixed martial arts and, and that kind of thing. Back back then at that time, was it a common thing for girls that you knew to be going to karate? Or was there was a lot of girls into it? Was it not really a thing? No, it wasn't a lot of girls in karate class. No, no right? No, it was like two Spanish girls. You know, there was no Asians because we grew up in Camden, right? Yeah. So there's no Asians. It was mostly boys. But I was one of those girls that always felt more comfortable around the boys. Yeah, yeah. So, um... Um, it just became easier. Yeah. So the guy I was dating had three brothers. They were into martial arts. His mom, believe it or not, she just recently passed away, but she was into martial arts. So okay. like their whole family was into it. Yeah. So everybody that they knew was into martial arts. So I mean, that's that's impressive to me. I mean, I think there's something that a lot of times people don't realize. Some of the things I think that make them special, and I like to point those things out because you know if you're out there doing something and you're chasing a dream, and you look around and you feel like there's not a lot of people doing that same thing. I find that people that are successful, that's often the situation. You're not going to always be doing something and being successful, and 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 20 people are doing it with you, right? It's something that you mm-hmm. sometimes to go out there and I mean, it has to be a difficult situation for anyone in any situation to be somewhere. And you can say that there's only two girls in a situation you guys are fighting when it comes time to spar I imagine you're sparring with whoever's there right so spar with the guys just yeah. like if you <laughs> yeah. if you, you want to be with the guys so you're going to spar with the guys yeah I had no. situations like that when I was going to MMA where sometimes it, I would feel uncomfortable I was older at the time sometimes I'm in there with younger people sometimes I'm in there with people that are girls and you still got to tackle them and fight with them and stuff um, and you get over it I think after a while but I think it is one of those things people don't think about when, when I was signing up for MMA I didn't realize I'd be in those kind of situations and then you kind of get over it and it's just everyone's in there practicing but yeah. I think it is a, it's a, it's a, something to bring attention to because I think a lot of times people are starting stuff out they have a dream they have something they want to pursue and then they look around and there's not many people that's doing it with them right? That's right so after that I mean if I think about different things I remember from my childhood I know at some point you started to go to school um, and you were going to a school that I think was near one of our houses that we lived in I think this was for a medical assistant or what was it yeah. called clerical so, or how, how would you describe that yeah I went to um, they called it AHAC it was like area health education center mm-hmm. and it was in North Camden and um, and believe it or not like people don't go to North Camden now because they're a little scared but it was actually like the spot back then oh yeah a lot of things happened back then so <laughs> I went to school when I came home from living in North Carolina okay. right and couldn't find a job um, so I decided I was going to go to school so I became a bilingual medical assistant and I only chose that I guess it chose me mm-hmm. because I really wanted to be a pharmacist technician okay but I couldn't do the math yeah so I had math Math tutors. I tried a whole lot of times to get the math and the algebra and all the ounces and all that together, and I couldn't do it. So yeah. the I think they felt bad for me. So it was like, so we have this other class that we're gonna start up. Yeah. And it was like 15 girls, and they mostly spoke Hispanic, which I mostly speak English, but <laughs> I have a Hispanic background, right? So um, we started and we went to to school and I graduated from there I was like a nine month course yeah right and I took my first job in the prison yeah yeah why not go to work <laughs> in a prison right because you studied martial arts so you was like bad you know yeah, so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so which which uh, now when you worked at children's hospital was this before or after that it was after that okay so I graduated um my first job was at children's hospital okay and I worked there 
I think it was like two nights a week and every other weekend. Okay. And they paid really good there, mm-hmm. but they didn't give you benefits. Oh. So then I found a job and made less money. It was like $8 an hour back then. Uh-huh. And they offered it to me because I probably was the only one that wanted to take it. Yeah. It was like, you need benefits, you can take it, and we'll let you still do your part-time job. Okay. Right? So it was a real cool lady. I remember her name was Diane Green. She lives in North Carolina. She offered me the job. I took it. She was like, the days you need to work at night, I let you leave a little bit earlier. So I worked two jobs with two kids. So you had two kids. You worked two jobs. Single mom. One is in a hospital and the other one's in a prison. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Hey, man. That's that's tough. A little variety there. That's tough. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Hey, growing up in Camden, New Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. Growing up in Camden. Yeah. Single mom. No, I mean, it's it's a thing. Things that again, I think sometimes we we live in the life and it's your life and you don't stop to realize. But I have talked to people and told them just pieces of stories, and sometimes they're amazed, right? Because it's something they don't hear often. And so us is like, oh yeah, I did that, whatever, right? But other people are like, how? How do you do that? Like they're everyone's struggling with something, but then they're like, well, I have this, like I have this one thing I don't even want to do, but that sounds so much harder. So I guess when you when you're going through those situations, what do you feel like is is driving you? I mean, obviously nothing's easy for anyone. So do you, can you think of anything that you told yourself or anything that you leaned on or what motivated you? What, what would you kind of credit maybe to you doing so many of these different things? Yeah, you. <laughs> oh, you got me. Oh, hold on. Watch out. Because <laughs> you had to think. I was a single mom with a little boy, right? Hadn't had my second baby yet. Had to find a way to take care of him because the person I was married to probably wasn't going to be married to him for a very long time. I knew okay. that before mm-hmm. I married him. I'm like, I'm going to marry you because my mom wants me to get married, but I'm probably not going to stay married to you for a very long time, right? So you, and then right after you came Ashley. Yeah. So... I had to go to work. I had to feed my kids. Very proud mom. Not that I have anything against public assistance because they helped me to go to school. Mm. But as soon as I finished using it, right, and um, I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I want to be independent, stand on my own, have a car, house, whatever I needed to do. And I want to be a good example for my kids. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. You were born as she was born not that far after, maybe three years afterwards. And I couldn't stop working. I yeah. had to work two jobs or three jobs. It didn't make a difference mm-hmm. because I had you. Yeah. So looking at your face, you want something to eat, I had to make sure you had it, right? Or whatever it was that y'all wanted. Yeah. So that's that's what it was. That's well, what motivated me. Thank you. Thank you so much for <laughs> that, right? Me. I know Ashley's thankful for those <laughs> things. So like, I know like some parents have difficulty with that, right? They have children. And I've heard, I spoke to people sometimes like, when, when that's going on, is it literally, you wake up in the morning and you're human, right? So you feel tired. You feel like maybe you want to stop. And then you see your children and then it changes how you feel. Mm-hmm. Or is it something else in your mind where you are thinking about, you know, the example you want to set and things like that because I guess what I'm saying is sometimes I guess it doesn't come natural for every parent because right. every parent doesn't take care of their children or they don't feel the, the need to try extra hard for their children so when, when it comes to that do you think that in your mind it was just you were different and that's how you felt or was it you know those kind of moments where you say I would remind myself this or I would think about that was it the trying to set an example kind of thing do, yeah, would you I credit think, anything in particular I think my dad um, he I always say he raised me to be a good man, right? Because he always, like, we had, there was only boys. I was the youngest girl. So he said, you have to go to work. 
You got to make your own money. Yeah, buy your house, put in your own name. Like I could always hear him in the back of my head. Like nobody, nothing's gonna, no, nobody's gonna hand you anything. So he raised me like he did the boys. I see. And he was like, you need to do it for yourself. I can only do it, but for so far. And he was hard. Like he was like, you know, you need to go get a job. When as soon as you graduate high school, like the next day, where you gonna be working at? What you gonna do next? Yeah. Right. Um, wouldn't let me go into the military, which is what I wanted to do. I wanted uh-huh. to be a marine. Okay. I had a conversation with my older brother, well, my, one of the younger brothers, said I wanted to be a Marine. And he said, nope, can't do it. Marine Corps is not a good place for a girl, even though one of my friends had went there, right? Um, but my dad instilled in me that you had to work. Nothing was going to be handed to you. Okay. So I could always hear him. And I, my job, I think, aside from making you guys proud, was to make dad and mom proud. I, I had see. to try to figure out, even if I messed up... First of all, not to let them know I messed up, <laughs> but just trying to make them, you know, see that I did a good job. Yeah. So that was my, and it still is in the back of my head. When something goes crazy, I'm like, what would dad do? Dad is going to go to work. That's you good. Know? You know, and I, I've heard that same concept. I guess from other people I've seen that are successful, a lot of times they try to tell people, don't make it about yes yourself, right? Because if you are your own master in a way, you, you're emotional and you'll change how you feel. But if you put it, if you make it bigger than you, if you make it something else. Um, samurai, one of the things about Samurai that appealed to me is the concept that a, a samurai is, is a servant, right? They, they're serving their lord. So metaphorically, you can attach that to anything. It could be someone that you're dating. If if you're trying to help them it could be a friend in need it could be your future self you can envision that person needing you to be responsible um a lot of those things so in this situation you have your parents that you're looking up to um you want you want them to be proud you have your kids in the situation and you're you're so those days when you know, those natural human things kick in it's more on the line you know for you right where other people you know even myself at times i'm sure it's like oh i don't feel like it's i'm gonna go lay down <laughs> you don't do anything right so that, that's that's I think that's an important tip to share for people. If you're out there, if you don't have those situations, you can find something. It could be an ideal. Uh, it could be church. It could be um, an organization. It could be something that you can join and be a part of. I think that does help people find that extra umph, you know. Yep. So, I mean, there's lots of things that we can cover today, but wow, the, a good segue there. So, at some point, you get into church, right? You're currently a, you're a minister in a church, right? Yeah. So, Just, yeah. my mom. Same we had thing. to go to church every every Sunday. Yeah. Like, my mom was a devout Catholic. And when my father got sober, and he got sober when you were born, right, um, first first child he saw sober was you, um, he decided he was going to go to church because he had to trigger, try to figure out how to stop drinking. Yeah. Because he went to church drunk. Yeah. So that was funny. But, <laughs> but, you know, so he had to figure out how to stop drinking. So he figured, I'm going to give my life to the Lord. And that's what he did. He played the guitar. Awesome voice. Um, so I could never miss a Sunday at church. Yeah. Like that was frowned upon. Like that was really bad. And I got so accustomed. It was became such, such regimented that I went every Sunday no matter what. Right. But after a while, like I was the girl that went to the club and partied and got home at three o'clock in the morning and nine o'clock in the morning. I was in church on Sunday. Like I wouldn't miss it. And as they got older, I had to take them to church. So there was no missing church. Like you then what you going to tell me you was out partying to three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> right. So after a while, I just decided, you know, OK, this is what I'm going to do. So I met. A guy, right? Yeah. And he was um, of a different religion. He was Baptist, and I was Catholic. 
And he was like, I'm not going to Catholic church. And I was like, I'm not going to your church because your ex-girlfriend, you know, went there. So we had this little discussion. And then we decided we're going to start going to like a non-denominational church. Okay. And that's how we started going to our church. Yeah. You know, put a plug in Ambassador's Christian Church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And for people who don't know, a non-denominational church is a Christian church that doesn't have a certain denomination right. such as Catholic or Baptist, right? right. So, but it's yeah. still universally a Christian church, kind of for everybody, right? Yeah, for everybody. Yeah. yeah. It has a little bit of slight Pentecostal in it, mm-hmm. you know, but most for most of the part is like non-denomination. That's cool. So, we started going there um and a year after we joined there, we um, we got married, mm-hmm. right? We had dated for like, I don't know, 10 years. So we got married. We started working in the church, right? We started doing service. We started, we built the front altar, putting rugs down, painting, yeah. and just keep, kept on doing service and service, right? And the pastor came up and um, he was like, I think y'all should be deacons. Because really, people think, oh, deacons in the church, that's a high title. Yeah. And it is a title, but deacon really means servant, Okay. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's an honor. Right. Yeah. But if you stop to look at it, it just means that you've been seen as a servant, that yeah. you do service for God, you know, help people feed the hungry, whatever it is that you do. But we because, you know, we do a lot of home improvements. We we did a lot of work in the church. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And we went from there to being like the pastor's personal assistance, which is really humbling because you have to serve one particular person at all times. Yeah. Right. So background, did karate, right? Didn't have a problem with an earphone and didn't have a problem watching all of the other deacons watch out for the congregation or watch the pastors of the church. Yeah. Right. You can hear my bossy voice in the back saying, watch the pastor. The pastor just gestured for something. If somebody, some move, 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 get to the front of the church. Like, <laughs> so that was yeah. me, right? The bossy little, you know, karate chick. Again, five deacons, one deaconess. That was me. Ah, see, right? yeah. I think that was eventually we got another one, um, but she was tough as nails too. Yeah, she was tough as nails too. So, um, so then a few years after that, maybe ooh, like four years, five years being a deacon, they um, called us up. I remember I was on my way to work. They called me up and they said, "We think that we want you to be a minister." They had told my husband like a month or two before that, but they said, "We think we, that you want to be a minister too." So um, we went to school. You didn't just become a minister. You had to go to school for four years. Yeah, yeah. You went to deacon's class for like six months, but to become a minister, you had to try to learn the Bible. Four all years. 66 books. <laughs> Not an easy thing. Yeah. And, of course, you can't remember none of that stuff, but you remember some of it. Yeah. Right? You can't remember everything that you learned, but you keep on learning. So that's how I became a minister. But that came from my mom, too, because my mom, like... Up until she took her last breath, she prayed all the time. Yeah. Right? And she always prayed and she always said, no matter what, if you came to it with an issue, God's got it. God's going to take care of it. Don't worry about it. He's not going to leave you. In Spanish, right? Everything that you went crazy in your life, mom always made sure that she had a positive attitude and she said, don't worry about it. God's got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's big. That's powerful. You know, I guess in both of those situations, too, if you're looking at martial arts and you're looking at the church, I mean, you know, a big theme I think I'm seeing this week is, you know, time repetition. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you got you, you, you got to the church. You're doing the, the minister class itself. Just by that alone took four years. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get 66 books of the Bible. Right. <laughs> that's that's a long book. Right. That's a lot of a lot of stuff to, to learn about it. You know, and then again, martial arts, time repetition. You got all the purple belt. when You're doing that. Right. Now, I remember 
I've, I've gone to martial arts here and there. I've always, I never got past white belt, right? Because it takes time repetition, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, a lot of times you go, it doesn't come natural to people. Not everyone makes it a purple belt, right? And I think one thing I guess is interesting to me is sometimes people, I think, assume that we're, some people are born with a magical talent that makes life easier for them. That they somehow get up and they, they're just martial arts masters because they were born that way, right? Or they're, they're, they know the Bible because somehow they were just born that way, right? So I guess throughout that time, you know, and all the things that you've done in life, do you feel like sometimes that you started off doing something and you eventually got to, you know, the, the end or the top of that? That situation simply by just outlasting other people that quit. Do you ever feel like that's a constant where you keep showing up, putting in the hard work, and other people who might also be good just disappear, right? They just leave for different reasons, or they quit martial arts, or they drop out of class, or they, they kind of go away, and then you're still working at it, and then you're still standing, right? Like, do you, or do you feel like it's not that? Maybe you feel like, no, I was just the best. I'd be, you know, I'm not saying <laughs> that's the competition. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, I think mm-hmm. sometimes... Um, People assume the guy who or the girl who gets the job, they were just like the very best. I think sometimes the other person who just keeps on working, keep on doing yeah. the thing, and then they, they make it, right? Because they're not quitting. They're not giving up. They're putting in that time repetition. Do you feel like you've seen that at all, or do you think this is a different kind of situation for you? No, I think in the um, in the martial arts um, aspect, I think it was, it was the fellowship. Like, I enjoyed the people that I was doing with, you know, with I was hanging out with and um that's why I think I stayed for such a long time yeah um didn't tell you I was part of the guardian angels right when they came to Philadelphia oh that's right when they came to Philadelphia in the 1980s all the martial art class went to Philadelphia to join right yeah so I mean that was good that was fun but of course it cut into my curfew because I couldn't be out all night patrolling you know whatever time at night because my mom wasn't gonna have all that but that kind of withered away and I think that's when the martial arts part kind of withered away. Because now we were getting into, like, high school years. We were becoming seniors. People were going to college. That's how that withered away. Yeah. But going to church was something I had done since I can remember. I yeah, can't remember yeah. not a Sunday at church from a small, small person. Yeah. So that had already been instilled in me, mm-hmm. right? No matter what I did, I always went to church. I was on vacation and I went to church. I found the church on a Sunday. Oh, yeah? Right? So, yeah. um that was something that we did that was repetitious when I joined our church it was a real liberal kind of church it was a lot of freedom I had to get adjusted to that but it was fun to go yeah. the music was lively the word was good you learned a lot of things and it wasn't it wasn't boring and it was kind of like really exciting to know that you could have this spirituality that it makes you feel and it, and it says in the word that you're more than a conqueror you can do anything yeah. right so they instill that in you which is kind of like when you're doing martial arts your teacher would instill you can do anything anything you put your hard work to yeah so a lot of repetition a lot of um not wanting to give up and even now you may not want to get up and go to like i don't feel like going to churches because we have church because of the pandemic it's online oh maybe i don't want to listen no 10 o'clock <laughs> we're listening right you stop what you're doing and you listen because it's something that's been instilled in me and i don't know how to kind of function without it my yeah. lifeline right 
Yeah. So I mean, all all this time you're doing these things, right? I, you know, you still you're still working your your main job. You're still nine to five job, right? Mm-hmm. But at some point, you kind of mentioned when you're, you're going to the church that you and and Romeo, you guys would would fix things or build things at the church because uh, you guys also doing this started your own home improvement company, right? Right. Now, for me, growing up, you guys were one of the first people, if not the first people I know, that like wasn't just doing a business. Like you actually like made the business. You had to do your taxes. I seen you guys doing your taxes for your business. I never seen that people I know have said they had a business I saw you guys were actually like legally were putting together a business for your home improvement thing right so I know at some point I'm, I'm sure you guys were just doing some jobs here or there what motivated you or what made you guys think that you had to go and, and make it into like a real business or legal business I guess as you would say what made you like make that leap so um when I met Jerome when we first started dating um, one of our first dates was I'm I'm gonna go paint a house. You want to come help? <laughs> so so it started a long long time ago yeah. when my dad lived in New York. When we lived in New York and we were really small, he was he owned the brownstone, mm-hmm. and that's what we did. We painted the house. We painted the brownstones. Right. I used to. I remember there was a quilt that I wanted mom to make when um, when you were born. Um, I wanted her to make me a quilt, and she said I'll make it for you because she would knit if you paint my kitchen. I was <laughs> pregnant with you painting the kitchen. Right. Yeah. So I got used to that. So when he when I met him and he was into it, he was like, hey, I don't have good workers. So I started hanging out with him. You want to be around the guy like you want to be around the guy that did karate. Right. Yeah. You, you want to be around the guy. So you learn how to do whatever it is that he do. And I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And I like to see the finished product. You go into a house. It looks crazy. And then you finish it and you be like, you did a really good job. The satisfaction. Right. Yeah. So he had been doing it long before me. Okay. And um, how it became um, maybe about five or six years before he actually, his job closed down, he had decided, I think I'm going to start and actually like put it on paper, yeah. get my LLC and become a legal business. Yeah. Right. So um, we started, we Googled it. You figured out how to get the license, how to get it started. If you need insurance, some small businesses don't. Um, if you get big, you know, you need some insurance. I think we have insurance now, but in the beginning, we probably didn't have insurance. You know, we didn't really know about it. Yeah, yeah. Get your own bank account, you know, mm-hmm. um, your ID number and all that kind of stuff. So we did that. And then um, it was fortunate that we did that. He always wanted to be his own boss. And about maybe four years ago, his company closed down, oh. right? His company closed down and he said, um, I'm thinking about doing home improvements full time. Wow. Right. So yeah. I said, OK, if you want to do home improvements full, t- full time, since he had carried me on his medical insurance for as long as I can remember, mm-hmm. I said, I'll carry the medical insurance. You go ahead and try it and see how you do it. Okay. And he's still doing it. Yeah. He still does it full time. I go out sometimes on the weekends or something like that. But He's done it full time and God's never let us down. We've never missed a bill, never missed a payment, you know, no bill collectors calling. Yeah. He keeps on doing it. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, no, a lot of people have different ideas and, and to step out there on faith, as people would say, right, and actually continue to do it, to really believe that your income can come from something that you created, that you're not working for someone else, right? That A lot of people are afraid to do that. So that's incredible to see that you guys, I remember, like I said, seeing you guys start just doing different jobs and then making it, you know, official business. I remember the first time you guys were talking about, you know, doing the taxes and that kind of stuff to now realize that, you know, that's Romeo's primary or his only source 
Universe Against of Income mm-hmm. is his business, right? The business you guys created. You guys have been doing that for all those years. That's incredible. You know, and I think that, and as I'm, 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 I'm just going to keep pulling it out, right? You guys also own properties, right? You're actually yeah. also a landlord, right? <laughs> yeah. It's incredible, right? These things are not common, right? I, don't, I can't walk into every house and just, just these long list of things, and it's great to bring attention to them. Um, you know, and, and so it's you guys, I guess at some point, you know, I guess it kind of starts with Grandpa with the Randolph property, right? Right. And then, you know, how do you guys, you know, you could just have done that and said, well, that's one property. But now at this point, how did you guys get into that? Does it kind of go hand in hand with the home improvement or what made you want to be kind of a landlord in that in that sense? Being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. Being a mom, because when we the house and on Randolph Street, I inherited it. Right. Yeah. For you and Ash, like, you know, one day y'all needed the income since whenever you need something, you got it. Right. Yeah. So I inherited that house and then I didn't want to live there no more because I had met Rome and mm-hmm. we was going to get married. So you don't want to live there anymore because I lived there. With Ashley's dad, you know, you don't yeah. want it there. You want, you want start. something fresh. Yeah. So we bought this house. Mm-hmm. When we bought this house, I guess it was strategic because this house that we live in now had an apartment upstairs. Of course it has an apartment upstairs. You know, because this is what you're going to do, right? Yeah. It's all destined for you what you're going to do. You just have to go with it. You got to step out on faith, right? Yeah. So we figured we're going to rent the house on Randolph Street. Then we saw this house and he said, oh, look, there's apartment upstairs. Let's get the house with the apartment upstairs. If we could have made the downstairs in New Jersey, you can't do like a legal residence in a basement. Okay. If we could have made it an apartment, it probably wouldn't have been an apartment too. <laughs> right? So I said, okay, being a mom, we got, I don't know how many kids we all got together. Seven, eight kids, yeah. right? As a conjoined family. I said, I want a house for every kid. He was like, you lost your mind. <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah. there's no way I could keep a house for every kid. Yeah. And I said, well, we at least need to have a good amount of income that if one of our kids needs something, we can take income from one of the houses to make sure that they have it. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Because that idea was really big to him, like seven, eight houses might be a lot for him yeah. to do. Right? So we stopped at the two, three properties and... um. Stopped at two or three properties. Actually, we have all together five. Mm-hmm. Um, one we just sold. Yeah. And one we're renovating to sell. Yeah. Right? But we got them through a joint venture with one of his children. Yeah. So yeah. now he's now he's trying to get them involved into doing it also. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's again, an incredible thing. to You look at, like, how people over generations, right? I always thought, something that I always felt strongly about was thinking about grandpa, thinking about grandmom, and they're starting off, I guess, in Puerto Rico, right? And then they come to... Now, to, to break that down, I always think either grandpa comes to Florida and then he goes to New York and sends for grandmom, or did he go to New York first and then went down? How did that work out? He came over on an immigrant boat, mm-hmm. um, got to Florida, somehow migrated to Glassboro, New Jersey. Oh, okay. He um, lived on a farm, Rosso's Farm in Glassboro. I don't know if it's still there. Um, and then from there, somehow decided he was going to drive a truck and got an outfit or something, you know, joined with, I think it was like North American or something back there. One of his other relatives, his brother, decided he was moving to New York. So dad moved to New York, right? That's Mm -hmm. where they worked in the brownstone. It was like two brothers and a sister all lived in the brownstone. They took care of the brownstone. And then he decided to send for mom. Okay. So, yeah. She comes to New York then? Then she comes to New York. Okay, cool. 
So, I mean, that, I know a lot of stories about Grandpa, right? And I'm from I seen him, he's always working. Do you think, how does that influence you as a child? Do you think seeing him constantly working, doing different jobs? I think you guys have told me he had a moving company at one yep. point. Mm-hmm. He obviously drove trucks, right? Mm-hmm. He was a farmer at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a record store and a candy store at one point, yeah, right? Yeah, 57th Street in Brooklyn. <laughs> and then I've always seen him fixing things and selling things that he can fix. So, mm-hmm. however he comes across something, either he buys something or he would find something, he would repair it and then fix it, sell it. So, I don't even know if there's more jobs beyond that. But do you think growing up, seeing him do that kind of stuff, did that have any influence on you or you don't think you really were thinking about that? Yeah, I think watching him go to work every morning, um, coming home from work and like whatever his little uniform made me love somebody that was in a uniform, right? Yeah. And it was just like a little parking lot uniform or a little truck driver uniform. But um, I think that had a lot of influence because that's what instilled to me like you have to work. Yeah. You know, my mom never had to work. Yeah. He he never wanted my mother to work. Her mm-hmm. job was to stay home. And she loved it. Yeah. Right? She mm-hmm. loved it. And she wouldn't let us do anything like me or my brothers. We didn't have to do nothing. We didn't have to cook. We didn't have to clean or nothing like that. That's why I don't cook now. Yeah. But, but we didn't have to do that, right? So that wasn't that was one of the things that I didn't do in repetition. Yeah. Right? So that's one of the things that I don't really like to do. I can cook if you ask me to because yeah. I love you, that kind of thing. But it's and I can cook, but um, it's not something like I said. I'm you know come home and I'm gonna make dinner. No, that's <laughs> yeah. not me. Yeah. I come home, I clean the house. I could do that. Yeah. But so my dad always worked, and when he wasn't working, kind of like in my last years of high school, he had lost his job, and um, he was very depressed. He was very sad. Okay. Right, that he wasn't working. And um, at one point, I think we were going to lose our house in Camden. And I saw him struggle, like, during that time, mm-hmm. which made me want to work even harder. I, I was see. like, I don't, wanna, I don't want that to happen to us. Like, I don't want my kids to have to deal with that. If I ever had kids, because at that time, I didn't have kids or didn't have, you know, didn't know I was going to have kids or anything like that. Yeah. But watching him work is just put a lot of determination, you know, made me determine that... You know, and then once I started working, I, I, my mind was like, even, you know, with the children, but if they need anything, I want to have at least enough so they can have something. You know, my parents, yeah. if they needed anything. Thank God they never did because um, daddy worked. You know, he was in the slump for like about a, maybe like six months, a year. Yeah. And then after that, I don't remember him not working again. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that's, I mean, he's always been a hard worker. As, as far as I can remember growing up, I think he was always doing something I can remember. Um, and then, you know, persistence, right? Time, repetition, not giving up. You know, do you, like, like grandma, right? Like grandma is, I guess people people say would be like a housewife in that situation. But I think grandma also, um, you know, to do that, to do that kind of stuff over and over again, she had kind of an iron will, I mm-hmm. feel like, right? And there's something about her. She was so quiet and nice and soft-smoking, but soft-spoken, but like, also so strong and sturdy, right? There's something about her when she was, her presence, I felt like, really was, um, I think, in a lot of ways, like the the backbone of the family, which obviously, in my opinion, you, you're now that for for us, right? You bring people together. Because um, it's very easy for that kind of stuff to, dr- to drift apart. And there's something about that spirit that I think she had, that I think that, you, that passed on to you in a way. Um, you, you, when, you look, when you think about those kind of things in the family, I always tell Ellie, my daughter, right? If um, people don't know, like, Romans never give up. That's a slogan I like to use, right? Because I do think that, you know, time, repetition. I never, myself, felt like... 
everything came easy to me. I felt like I had some things I had some talents for, but it never mattered if I didn't put in the work, right? So whenever I don't put in the work, I don't get the results I want. But I realized that through doing things over and over again, I can achieve almost anything, right? We do a podcast, we can draw, we can do, we do some drawing, we can do some movies, we can do some music, anything I've ever done. If I stick to it long enough, eventually we'll get somewhere. So I mean, thinking about all those different things, I mean, when when you're looking at all of it and, you know, taking it in and saying, this is all the things that you've accomplished, you probably still have a bunch of stuff that you still want to do, even there, right? So like, I never remember your age off the top of your head and you don't have to say that, right, <laughs> if you don't want to. But I know a lot of people get to a point where they say, I'm done. I want to go like sit and watch TV, right? You still are doing things. Romeo's still doing things. And when I, you guys talk, I feel like you have an energy and a youth that says, I still want to do more things. Is it just your nature at this point, do you think? Or is there something else that's still driving you? Well, I can't quit. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we can stop until we take our left. But I, I don't think we're finished until we're finished. I know what you mean. Right? Yeah. So, um, it's not done yet. God hasn't said it's done. So, as long as I have, you know, breath, I want to continue to do stuff, you know, Whatever that may be. So yeah. now my energy or whatever I strive for is like for my grandbabies. Like I want to make sure that they are okay. Yeah. I think I think I have a... Um, my nature is to be a caregiver. I see. Right? But also to be a provider in that same sense. Like I want to take care of people, but in order for me to take care of people, I got to make money to make sure because everything is financial. Yeah. Right? I can love you. Um, but I want to make sure I love you and you have some kind of security, yeah. right? I don't want to give you too much security. I want you to be able to stand on your own two feet, but I also want to let you know that you're not by yourself, you right? So I don't ever feel like I'm by myself because I always feel like I have my family that surrounds me, but I have a like a supernatural power that's inside of me that God gave me, yeah. right? So that I, I feel like I can do anything. Yeah. Right, so um, I'm a little bit more relaxed now when I'm 57, May 27th, I'll be 57, and that's cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't feel like I'm 57. Yeah, you I, know, wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think feel that, like no. I'm 57. I feel like I'm a little sometimes I feel like I'm 17. Yeah, um, sometimes maybe 35. Yeah, <laughs> right. But um, but I think I ju- I'm just not ready to give up. I want to do some, some things, I want to um, see more places, go more places, it, you know, just learn something new you know just get into something different you know i still i still want to dance like so so there's a lot of stuff i still have to do yeah it's hard to age you guys like in my mind i i think i have you guys stuck at 40 in my head like people ask me i received that that's yeah people (laughs) ask me i generally don't know they say how old your mom i say ah i have to start doing math like i don't know right i think because if i think back you know across our lives i think i might remember your 40th birthday party i I don't know the math or what i was 17 years ago i probably was like 14 i guess i'm guessing i don't know i'm 35 now again i gotta do this math i don't i can't work it out but in my head you guys haven't done anything to me that that shifted that right i think once you become an adult you are like maybe around your 30s i feel like people kind of start being like an adult now like they're kind of that same person and i would guess at some point i feel like people get into you know a a period of their lives where if you look at them you think oh like now they're not just an adult they're like getting older they're becoming they're they're shifting their positions maybe they want to you know they said go into like an elder kind of role they want to relax more they might start dressing different they might start doing things different or whatever but i feel like you guys have you know of all 
always evolved. I think you guys are always stylish and up to date with like the way that you guys look. I think that matters, right? Um, I had a friend talked about how like when we were younger, we had older people that would wear like you know clothes that made them purposely look old. It seemed like mm-hmm. right, like at yeah. some point they stopped wearing their clothes and like went to like the store to buy clothes that made them look older. And you're like, why did you do that, right? <laughs> and some people still do it, you yeah. know. And some people, but I think a lot of people now maybe with in technology or maybe because they're trying to stay up with the trends they don't do, I don't see it all the time and you and Rome are guys are guys and girls that don't necessarily do that where I can see you guys wearing the outfit I think that's a really cool outfit you guys are wearing so it's difficult for me to look at you guys without doing the math and say oh they're they're this number because the number doesn't matter there's not there's not right. I can't I can't relate it to anything where I can see other people in, in the you know in the street or somewhere I'm at I can guess, oh, they're, they're probably 50, they're probably 60, they're probably 70. I kind of maybe could guess that with them based on some things they might be doing. Mm-hmm. But you guys, you know, as, as far as I remember, it's, it's, it's similar. Not yeah, obviously the same people you were when you are 40, but I just don't think you guys have adopted anything that, um, you know, completely shows, you know, you haven't got to that age where people do that. I feel like they make up sometimes. I mean, everyone's allowed to do what they want, but I think sometimes an excuse to not finish what it is they're supposed to do. They'll start saying things like, oh, like it's time to retire, which is which is an American concept. Some cultures around the world don't don't have a word for retirement. It's not a concept that is universal. We we feel like it is, but mm-hmm. there's places where people work until the very end. They don't they don't think they should retire. They don't even think about that word. That's kind of a concept that we have. So I see you guys doing things. I'm always excited. I'm, I'm never surprised when I come over on a weekend or something like that, and there's a new thing going on. I think uh, Romeo's DJing sometimes, yep. right? You guys might cater a party. You we might, might help throw a, a ceremony or some sort. Uh, you never know what it could be, right? Um, and, and you guys are even good with that kind of stuff, like party organizing, you know, booking venues, ordering a bunch of supplies. You guys have had parties I've been to that are really nice. You guys have catered things for other people. Um, yeah, these, these aren't natural skills that everyone has. These are special <laughs> things that you guys know how to do. You know, I know Romeo in particular, and I'll save that, I guess, more for when I talk to him, hopefully, on the podcast one day. But I remember you guys had, like, a Restaurant Depot membership. Yeah. Where you can go buy restaurant-sized quantity stuff. In bulk. <laughs> in bulk, right? It's not Sam, people listening, it's not Sam's Club. It's a, it's a store. It's, I've been there. It's like a warehouse-looking place for restaurant owners. And my dad had this, and he doesn't own a restaurant necessarily. Mm-hmm. No. But he gets into situations where he might need restaurant quantities of food to make yeah. um, a lot. It's <laughs> very often. 64 ounces of salad dressing. 64 ounces of salad dressing, <laughs> I right? I in my fridge now. <laughs> and, see, currently it's in the fridge in the other room. Yeah, if you, you guys get into situations, right? It's always interesting to see you guys always trying new things and that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's everything I could think of. Um, you know, was there anything else in particular that you wanted to talk about or anything you want to touch on this week for the podcast? You know, no, I just want to give out a shout out to you. Thank you for having me on your show. I Thank have you for listened. Joining. Yeah. I have listened to some of the podcasts. They're very interesting. Some of them are a little far out, but that's how our mind go, right? So yeah. our minds are blessed and we have really good imaginations. So, um, but I listen. I'm a big fan um, <laughs> of you and um, just thank you. I wouldn't mind coming back. It's been fun. It's always oh, easy to talk to you. Yeah. Easiest person to talk to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know when it, when I I, I kind of fell into this. I didn't necessarily know this was something I was going to do or like doing as much, but you know, the art of conversation. I got that from you, right? We spent so many years. I think I can't think of 
hours and hours and nights and nights and all these times you and yeah. I had conversations growing up, which isn't a typical thing. Not all kid parents have that, you know, with their kids. And you and I always be able to do that. So I was looking forward to this one, and I definitely will definitely do more. We have time to do them. Um, like yeah, mom would be an easy person to podcast with. That's yeah, just a cheat this week, right? Yeah, we can talk all day, right? <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for being my mom and all those things. And a great example you set for me and for Ashley and for Ellie and for Aiden and for everyone around you. I know you've always been an inspiration to people. Um, and yeah, thank you so much. Okay. You're welcome. Yep. Thank See you, you guys. Next time. See you guys. Thank you for listening to that podcast with Semi Ride. Peace.